0: Thank you, instrumentalists. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 10. In the Bible it says, can anything good, uh, talking about Jesus come out of (laughs) Galilee, Uh, I begin to wonder, can anything good come out of Bonneville? I don't know. So far, I've met a couple of folks, but uh, praise God, Uh, God brought Brother Jeff to Christ out of Bonneville too, praise God, at least two of them. Uh, By the way, let me share this too, another Bonneville success story. Uh, any of you have been praying over the years, praying for Dusty, and uh, Dusty's birthday was just the other day, and uh, I saw a picture on Facebook, and Hannah was with me, and she said, Dad, who is that, and saw the picture, and she couldn't believe it was Dusty, he's doing very well, Amen. and uh, praise God for that, wanted to share update there, I talked to him often, and doing great, thanks for praying for Dusty, and I know it's been a long road, uh, but praise the Lord, he's doing well, and uh, he's got his own place up in Bonneville working up there as well, but wanted to share that uh, reminder of praise report. Turn to Romans 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. Of course, we've been looking at on Sunday nights, great soul winners of the Bible. And uh, tonight, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, we may look at another thought, the Apostle Paul. Bonnie, before you leave tonight, I've got something here for you. Don't let me forget. It's not another thumb, so you got to deal with that thumb. But I got something here I need to give you. Romans chapter ten, and boy, I'll tell you, I praise God for Brother Bonnie uh, cutting himself, and so so I didn't have to cut myself. And uh, no, he he he's just following his pastor. I mean, he just following his pastor's lead. That guy's faithful. And uh, praise the Lord, he didn't lose his thumb. Uh, we're gonna talk about Paul tonight and his passion for Israel's salvation. Um, follow along with me as I read this passage. Uh, here in Romans chapter 10. Brethren, and of course we find the, the theme here in verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear record, bear them record, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed, I report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long have I stretched forth mine hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Let's pray together. Lord, help us as we examine the heart of the Apostle. Lord, as we examine our own heart, as we think of our desire and whether or not we care if people come to the knowledge of truth and the gospel, Lord, I pray that you would work in my heart tonight. Lord, would you help me to see the need in my city, in my community. Lord, would you help me to see the need in the world. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight to Leave this place more focused on the need of the gospel, more equipped, better equipped to reach and to affect our culture, our world. Dear Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and help us tonight? In your precious name we pray. Amen. I believe we could agree that Paul had a great burden. For those of his countrymen to come to Christ. We see Paul's pattern of execution, of preaching. He followed a pattern every time. We see that everywhere Paul went, the very first place that Paul preached was he would find a gathering of Jews. He would go into a temple wherever he was. He would go in and he would Try to preach to them Christ, that Christ was the Messiah, that He was the one that they were waiting for, that He had already come. And you know the pattern the Jews would reject. And then Paul would leave, and Paul would go on the streets. He would go house to house. He would preach publicly. People would get saved, and also, normally, he'd get arrested, he'd get beaten. He'd get thrown in jail. Sometimes he would be stoned. Sometimes he would be scourged. And then he would go to another city. And he would go again to the Jews in that that city or that place. And they would reject. And he would go and preach the gospel to those, the Gentiles. And we see over and over and over again he had a burden. He was an outstanding Christian. He was a true disciple of Christ. Uh, he was an ambassador. Uh, he was a man that was a preacher. He was a writer. He was a martyr for the gospel's sake. But most of all, Paul was a soul winner. Most of all, of all the things that Paul did, he preached the gospel to the lost. Wherever he was, he found a way to get the gospel. And his life was dedicated to seeking And pointing lost people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would to God that we as believers would be dedicated to pointing and leading people to Jesus Christ. I praise God that God foreordained that as a little boy, a little two-year-old boy, he would be adopted into a Christian family. But can I tell you the likelihood of Brother Dave ever hearing the gospel had he not been adopted into that family? Now, that's not right, but the reality is he may still have never heard the gospel. You know why? Because as far as I know, there is no one aggressively trying to reach the Frog Lake area. Now, that could be said of areas all across our world. But we see that Paul was caught up in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, brethren... My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, we could link back, I believe, chapter 9. Would you look there with me, the first few verses? Chapter 9 and verse 1 I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul said, if there was a way that I could give up my salvation, that my kinsmen, my people could have the gospel, Lord, I'd do it. Moses had that kind of a heart for the nation of Israel. Moses went to God after the the nation of Israel made the golden calf and danced around it and worshiped Baal, their false god. And Moses said to God, God, don't kill him. God, kill me. If it's possible, blot me out. But save thy people. Paul had a burden. Number one, we see that Paul, Paul viewed all men as lost. Paul viewed all men as lost. And Christian, can I tell you what will help you be a better soul winner? You need to view all men as lost. You need to understand the spiritual condition of mankind without Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about mankind without religion. I'm talking about mankind without Jesus Christ. There's a difference. There's a lot of people that have religion that don't have Jesus. There's a lot of people that have morals that don't know Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that follow the rules of law and and try to do religious ceremony and and follow a set of religious standards that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that one day he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. But Paul viewed all men as lost. We see the word saved there in verse 1, implying that those that he longed for he knew were lost. Every person living apart from faith in Christ is lost. By the way, that person that is such a a good and loving man or woman and a person that's such a giving person and a person that has such a sweet heart and a, a sweet life, if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they are lost. They're on their way to hell because of the penalty of sin. Say, but pastor, they're such a good person. I mean, if anybody's saved, it's that person. No, if anybody's saved, they're saved because they know the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with their lifestyle. It has nothing to do with what they do. It has to do with who they know and who they've trusted, and that's Jesus Christ. We see here Paul longed for his, his friends, his countrymen to be saved. To be lost refers not only to life or time, but also soul and eternity. You know, we've all lost time. Now, we, we, we've all, uh, you know, man, what happened? Where did all the time go? The Bible's speaking about being lost, not just for a little while, but for eternity. To be lost is to live apart from Christ. To live apart from Christ, we see that in Luke chapter 19. To be lost is to be perishing. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And we see the other side of that coin. That to to be lost is to perish. To be saved is not to perish. We see that phrase, lost. To be lost is to be out for the count. (laughs) Useless. Out of fellowship with the Father. I never knew you. One day the judge of all creation will say, be lost is to be under God's wrath. By the way, one thing you need to understand about lost men and women is not that one day God is going to bring them before him and he's going to say, okay, I've decided that you are lost and you have my wrath. The Bible says when we do not believe, we are already under wrath. The judgment of God is on every person that has not believed on him. Every person, every young person, every teenager, every adult, every person is under the wrath of God without Jesus Christ. To be lost is to be bound for hell. Bound for hell and a Christless eternity. Paul said, "I, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. Saved from hell, saved to heaven. Saved from the wrath to come. When my parents were in high school, there was a terrible disaster that happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the city near where I'm from. I didn't grow up in the city, but the closest city is Point Pleasant. There's a bridge that crossed between Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Gallipolis, Ohio, across the Ohio River. And from the city of Point Pleasant, there into the edge of Gallipolis. Middle of the day, school was out. People were traveling back and forth. And the bridge fell. Greatest bridge disaster in history, still to this day. The Silver Bridge. I had an uncle serving in the U.S. Air Force. During the Vietnam conflict, he was stationed in Thailand. He, he was an uh, airplane mechanic working on an air base as they were sending in uh, planes in to run missions into Vietnam. He was loading the Agent Orange on the planes, all of those things. Moments, minutes, I should say, after the bridge fell, my uncle in Thailand heard on the radio about the horrible, horrible, terrible loss of life Now, if those that were alive then, those that had family members that were on the bridge, and there were those that lost their life, there were those that survived. There were older people, there were younger people. Many people lost their life. But if those that had people, loved ones and friends that died in that tragedy could go back in time to the day before that bridge fell. Can I tell you what their life would have been consumed with? Please, please don't go on the bridge. Wh- whatever you do tomorrow, don't cross the bridge. Please don't drive on the bridge. Don't go on the, silver br- the, uh, the bridge tomorrow. Don't, don't go on it. Why? Because they know they would know if they could go back in time that there's no hope there. Paul understood that the future had no hope for those who were lost. Paul spent his life as a cautionary message to those who did not know the Lord Jesus Christ that they would be saved. He viewed all men as lost. Number two, Paul believed that good men as well as evil men, that religious as well as irreligious were lost. You know, we get the ideas for some reason because of false religion, because of the lie of the devil, that, you know, religious people are on their way to heaven and, and unreligious people are on their way to hell. Or good people, now that, that, that guy's a good person. He's a Christian. That, that guy's a bad person. Uh, he does horrible stuff like drinking Pepsi. Uh, he's on his way to hell. Preach, we joke about that. And we say, oh, no, I don't really believe that, Pastor. But ultimately we do. Ultimately we say, oh, well, that, that person's probably saved. Well, that person's, they're pretty religious. They're pretty faithful. They're probably a Christian. And I tell you, unless you know, don't assume someone is saved. Don't assume someone is a Christian. Paul said, I I view, I understand they need to be saved. I remember a young man that I was convicted about witnessing to that I did not several years later. I went to talk to him. I said, man, I got to talk to you. I got to tell you uh, about Jesus Christ. I got to i got to make sure you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And I'll never forget the relief I had when Adrian looked at me and said, Yeah, I'm saved. But I never assumed it until I asked him. Paul assumed that all men, good, evil, religious, irreligious, were lost. Paul speaks here to his Jewish brethren of their zeal. Paul knew of zeal. Paul had lived the zeal of religion without a relationship. We see in verses 2 and 3, For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not of knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Dear friend, if we're going to be the kind of witnesses we ought to be, we ought not be checking for people's righteousness. Okay, that's a pretty righteous person. I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to witness to him. Oh, man, that that, that guy, you know, I, he's got a Bible. Uh, he goes to church. He, he, he's saved. No, we need to make sure we understand that every person without Jesus Christ is lost. Not a matter of judgment for us. God didn't call you to judge or me to judge the world. God calls us to proclaim the truth. And if we judge someone that they don't need the truth, and we don't tell the truth the one that needs the truth, we have blood on our hands. Paul said, I, I, I want to make sure my, that my the Israel is saved. We're not saved by our righteousness. We're, we're not saved by only by the righteousness of Christ. How wonderful. We could take time tonight to look at Romans ten through nineteen, uh ten, nine through ten again. Uh, we could look at Luke eighteen, we could look at uh Romans three twenty, uh powerful verse, Galatians uh, chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, the book of Titus, and we could understand over and over again we are saved by grace, we're not saved by works, it is not our goodness, there's nothing in us, and Paul understood the need of mankind number three Paul had a deep longing a deep longing for people to be saved this morning I got up after sleeping on a real bed it was wonderful sleeping on a real bed Oh, praise God I spent two nights on a a torture chamber I think it was a Guantanamo Bay is where I slept and uh, I I man I got up this morning praise the Lord And I walked downstairs and stumbled my way to my espresso machine and ground some coffee and made some espresso. Got a cup of espresso and I looked around the kitchen and I looked in the corner and I saw this container and I realized there was something in the the container. I opened the container and there were some cookies in there. Praise God. And uh, butter cookies. I got one of those cookies, I think it was a heart, a big heart butter cookie out of there, no icing, just naked. And I got the cookie, not not me, the the cookie. (laughs) I got the cookie out of there and uh, I went in the living room. I sat down in the chair just inside the living room and sat there, had my phone, my Bible on it, had my espresso, had my cookie on my lap. That's a good morning right there. And then a big white beast showed up. And I'm looking at scripture, drinking coffee, and I look down and I realize he's licking my cookie. I smacked him on the nose. No, I didn't give him the cookie. I smacked him on the nose He said, get away from my cookie. Now, the problem is Yeti likes cookies just about better than anything in all the world. I'm not sure if you took a t-bone steak and a cookie, he'd eat them both, but he likes cookies. He loves them. He absolutely loves cookies. And so I, those of you that have dogs, you've played this game before. I put, he's on this side, so I took the cookie and put it on this armrest. And I'm trying to read, and I got my espresso, and then he comes around to this side. So I got the cookie, and I put it on this side. And I kept popping him on the nose, no. Not for you. He never gave up. Now he didn't even get a crumb of cookie. He did lick and taste it, Uh, but he never got a crumb of cookie. But the cookie was all gone, and for about two minutes after the cookie was done, he kept looking around, making sure there wasn't a crumb that I dropped. And finally, he walked away and laid down. But he would not rest as long as he knew there was a cookie. He wanted the cookie. He, he had a deep longing <laughs> to have that cookie. I'm afraid most of us, if we really strip down to the reality of it, we don't even care if anybody gets saved. Because we become so self-absorbed, We're so self-focused that we hear a testimony, oh, someone got saved this morning. Well, that's nice. But really, it doesn't move us because we don't really care. I believe Paul, he said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul had a great desire, a deep longing to see people saved, a, a deep longing that was not satisfied. If we look back in the New Testament a little ways in the book of Matthew in chapter 9 we look in verse 36 the Bible tells us about Christ it says but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd Jesus had a desire to see people come to him. He said, I came to seek and to save. That was a lost. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards. <coughs> In Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, we read already, we see, I wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You take an addict, you know what an addict wants? Ultimately, they want to be free of their addiction, ultimately. But presently, they want whatever they're addicted to. Even though they know it's horrible for them. Even though they know it's killing them. Even though they know it's ruined their life. The Bible says, as a dog returned to his vomit. They just keep going back, and they keep going back, and they keep going back. By the way, when we use that word "addict," addict in our polite culture, you know we think of the drug addict. We think of the person on the street, but can I tell you, a lot of addicts use a lot of other drugs, and they and they dress up and they go to work, and they don't lay in the gutter. And they don't buy drugs on the street. Some of them are addicted to pornography. Some of them are addicted to gambling. Some of them are addicted to making money. Some of of the addicts are addicted to self-gratification. They're addicted to relationships and connections with people. They're addicted to people liking them and and desiring them. All kinds of addictions, though. But the addict just wants. (laughs) I just want one more. Just one more time. I just just want it. I believe Paul, not an addiction, but Paul had a burden. As Paul had a burden for just one more. Just one more person to know Christ. I'm going to turn quickly back to the Old Testament. Many of you just finished reading this a few weeks ago. If you've been following our Bible reading schedule, Exodus 32 and verse 31. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, O this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin. And if not, Blot me, I pray thee, out of that book which thou hast written. That's one of the most powerful verses in the Old Testament. As Moses, a picture almost of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, i take my life for theirs. Moses had a burden, a deep longing. How many have ever broken a bone before? The day's probably seen your X-ray. Uh, I've broken a lot of bones. Not my first bone, but I think the second time I broke a bone. I don't know how many bones I've broken. It's I've broken a few. I think the second time I broke a bone, it was my arm. This arm for the second time it was a compound compound fracture. What do you call it? The bones broke and then did this number. It was nasty, and they set the bone and. I got a cast on my arm, and I was, I don't know, maybe seven years old, maybe eight. I don't remember exactly. I think I was eight. And I remember I was walking with my mom, and we were walking on the farm there between my parents' house and my grandparents' house, back past, past the old coal house. It's not there anymore. Uh, garden area that now my uncle has a home on and we were walking to do something in the garden I guess and I remember my mom's looking at me and she said Brian I wish I could have a broken arm and you didn't have to I'll never forget that a mother's love I wish I could carry that burden. I wish it could be me rather than you. Paul said, God, I I wish it was me rather than them. Christian, I, I don't know that I've ever really met anyone that had the kind of burden that I read about in Paul, but I believe we ought to have that kind of burden, that kind of desire. We see in verse 1 there of our text, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel as they might be saved. Notice he begins that with the word brethren. You know what he was saying? He said, hey, I'm praying for the nation of Israel and I want you to pray too. Would you join me in prayer? He was calling on his brethren to say, hey, pray with me. Share the burden with me. Get under the load with me. It was a heartfelt prayer. It was a heartfelt prayer. Let her be there. We see, he said, my heart's desire and prayer. He had a great burden. It was a shared prayer, but it was a heartfelt prayer. His heart was in it. Sometimes we pray. By the way, those of you that came out of religion before you came to the gospel. Some of you, how many of you used to pray the rosary? You're a lost Catholic. Lots of you. and You had your beads. Now, some of you may have uh, been sincere in your prayer, but I have to imagine many of you, you prayed that rosary and prayed your prayers because I got to do this. <laughs> I got to say them. I got to, okay, I did it. The heart wasn't there. It was words that came out. This was a prayer that was heartfelt. Not only that, it was a letter C, a rightly directed prayer. We see in the Bible that two men went to pray. One man went and would not so much as look look up, but he bowed his head and he beat upon his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. The Bible says the other man said, I thank thee that I am not as this publican. I thank Thee, Lord, that I do all these good works. And the Bible says that he prayed thus with himself. God heard that prayer. But this wasn't a prayer to God. It was a prayer to people. It was a prayer to his flesh. It was a prayer for his pride. Paul's prayer was not to others. Paul's prayer was to God. It was directed to God as all prayers ought to be. Jeremiah tells us, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things I know it's not this week I got a I forgot to tell you about this brother Amon I got a, a text from brother Brian Johnston brother Brian pastors in Richmond Hill just north of Toronto brother Brian's been there about 20 I think about 21 years maybe 20 yeah about 21 years pastoring there and I got a text from him I think it was Monday morning and he said just a praise report. He said, my neighbors who are Persian just messaged me and said that they want to convert to Christianity. And they've been witnessing to them. And uh, I instantly, I was excited and I thought, man, I don't know if he's got anybody that speaks Farsi. I wasn't sure what that these people were brand new to Canada. And I thought, man, I'm going to call Brother Brian and tell him, hey, if you need somebody, I'll give you Brother Ahmad's number. If you need someone to connect and And so I looked at my phone, and I saw Brian Johnson's phone number. I called Brother Johnson's number, and I heard someone answer the phone, and it wasn't Brian Johnson. And I'm like, and I heard these words. Hello, it's Brother Wood. I said, Brother Doug Wood? He said, yeah, is this Brother Rice? I said, yeah, some of you know Brother Wood, I think. Brother Wood is... I guess in his 70s now, good man, faithful man. uh, Has uh, pastored for many years in Ontario. Now he's got a ministry going into the Philippines and uh, does phenomenal, phenomenal serving of Christ. Wonderful, sweet man. I love Brother Wood. And I said, Brother Wood, I said, I'm glad to hear your voice. I said, but I wasn't calling you. I said, I was calling Brother Johnson. And I said, I have no idea, but my phone, your number, has Brian Johnson's name on it. I said, I apologize for bothering you. I said, I'm, I said, I'd love to talk with you a bit and see how you're doing. We chatted for a while, and I said, hey, can you give me Brian's number? I said, I'm not sure what I've done. I've got the wrong number, and he gave me the right number, and I dialed the number, and I heard Brother Johnson's very distinctive voice. I said, finally, I got you. He said, what do you mean, finally? I said, yeah, I tried to call you earlier, and I got Brother Wood. I had the wrong number. When we get a hold of God... God says, call to me, I'll answer you. And God can answer in a way that nobody else can answer. Paul's prayer was rightly directed. Letter D, Paul's prayer was a definite prayer. And Christian, let me challenge you about this. Pray definite prayers. Pray specific prayers. Very specific, God likes to answer specifically. Paul Paul prayed for Israel. He didn't pray, oh Lord, save people. I believe we ought to pray that prayer, but I believe we ought to pray for people specifically. I believe we ought to call their name out. He prayed, Lord, save Israel. Uh, Just as we would say, Lord, save save Bob, uh, save Frank, save save Sue. Uh, He prayed specifically. I said it was a definite prayer, but also it was, as I said, letter E, a specific prayer. He didn't pray, Lord, I, I want Israel to be blessed. He wanted them to be saved. Now, there were many other prayers that Paul prayed, but when it came to getting the gospel, the prayer is, God, I want them to be saved. I want them to know the gospel. I want them to believe. I want them to be convicted. By the way, when you're praying for someone's salvation, you're not praying for God to just go and save them. God doesn't do that. God doesn't force himself on them. Rather, understand when you're praying for someone to get saved, let me help you with this. I think this will be some practical things that are helping your mind as you pray. You're praying, number one, that God would convict them. There is no conversion without conviction. No conversion without conviction. If I find somebody that doesn't speak English, and, and I, I write out a prayer, uh quote-unquote salvation prayer in English, I say, hey, you, you say these words. They have no idea what those words mean. They can say them. They're just as lost as the word before they said them. And by the way, if they understand those words and they say them just to say them, they're still just as lost as they were when they said it. There is no conversion without conviction. Number one, when you're praying for salvation, with salvation, you're praying that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them of their need of a Savior. Number two, you're praying that the gospel would get to them. By the way, someone's not just going to, aha, I'm going to trust Christ. No, the Bible says, how should they hear without a preacher? They've got to hear the truth. Now, as you pray for somebody, can I tell you what God does a lot of times? Oh, God, I wish, I, Lord, I pray you'd save Bonnie. Lord, I pray that he, he, he trusts you. I pray you'd be convicted of a Savior. Oh, God, send somebody to tell Bonnie about the gospel. I pray that enough, and I have an opportunity. You know what God's going to do in my heart? He's like, hey, dummy, why don't you go tell Bonnie the gospel? Uh, God wants to use you. He wants to use me. But we're praying that they would be convicted. We're praying that they would hear the gospel. We're praying that they would believe. Now, Paul prayed for the salvation specifically for the nation of Israel. We looked in the book of James this morning in our Sunday school as we talked about prayer. And uh, what an encouragement it has been to me during the study for prayer. But verse 20 It says, let him know which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, shall hide a multitude of sins. How wonderful that truth. (laughs) Number five, we said Paul had a deep longing in salvation for the salvation of men. And we see he expressed it in prayer. Number five, Paul's heartfelt prayer was also accompanied by works. He not only prayed, but he went into action. His longing and prayer for men and women to be brought to Christ was, showed itself in several special ways. Before we get into those, I'll tell you the story about a, a plantation owner's wife in the Deep South during the Civil War era. I think it was uh, Miss Lois' mom. Uh, but no, years ago in the Deep South, in the United States, there was a plantation owner. She was a Christian. She was a devout lady. A lot of people... In that area were not quite as devout and Christian as she was and just across the way from the plantation there was a bar and it was a place of ill repute place of gambling a place of alcohol and prostitution it was a wicked place and one day one of the slave girls came in and found the lady of the house the mistress of the house down on her knees and she was praying little slave girl said, what are you doing? She said, I'm praying. She said, what are you praying for? She said, I'm praying that God burns that place down across the way, that place of sin and wickedness. And she said, why don't you pray with me? So they got on their knees together, and they began to pray and call out to God to burn down that wicked place uh, where hell was on earth with gambling and liquor and, and horrible things happening. In the middle of the night, the lady of the home was awakened by bells ringing. And she looked out the window of her palatial estate across the way. and She saw flames leaping up into the sky. And saw as the fire brigade was carrying buckets and trying to put the fire out. And she watched as that place of gambling and alcohol and prostitution burned to the ground. The next day she found the little slave girl and she said, oh my goodness. She said, you must have a direct line with God. She said, I've been praying God would burn that place down for a long time. You prayed with me one time and that very night it burned down. The little slave girl looked at her and said, ma'am, I put feet to my prayers. We need to put some feet on our prayers. Paul put some feet on his prayers. His, his heartfelt prayer was also accompanied by works. Uh, letter A, by the way he lived. By the way he lived. You know, we ought to pray for the lost, but if we live in such a way that our lifestyle contradicts the gospel, what a useless, powerless prayer. If I'm praying uh, uh, for someone to get saved, if I'm praying for Ahmad to get saved, and you be praying, I'm praying he gets saved. If, you're, if I'm praying for mod to get saved, oh God, uh, save Him, God help him to understand the gospel. Help him to be convicted of his need of a Savior. God help him to believe and accept you. And every interaction I have with him, I'm living as a lost man. I'm not living a testimony of uh, a righteous life in front of him. I'm not helping in prayer. Paul walked his prayer by the life he lived he won souls But the life he lived by the way not just by his life his life matched his words he spoke the life not that he lived but get this the life that Christ lived in him and there is a difference it was possible because he was available to the Holy Spirit Christian we need to pray and we need to have a lifestyle that matches that prayer letter B Paul his prayer was accompanied by the words he spoke He didn't just get alone in private and pray. He did that. But he also went and spoke the gospel. He went and preached. He didn't say, okay, God, I'm going to pray. You do all the work. He knew God had called him to be a chosen vessel to carry the gospel of the Gentiles. Paul understood that God wanted him to carry the message. We understand God wants us to carry the message. If God wanted to, God could take that stupid plastic plant and make it preach the gospel. But that's not his plan. If God could make a dumb donkey talk to Balaam, God could, have an aunt, God could make Yeti preach the gospel. Can you imagine that? He's dumber than a donkey. Uh, if he wanted to, he could. But that's not God's plan. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. And Paul, by his words, by what he spoke, not only that, but by the letters he wrote. I shared a story with our teenagers at camp this week. I preached to our young people about being thankful. I talked to them about honoring their parents. By the way, I think probably from the the staff at the camp, those that worked as counselors told me they had more young people connecting with the message that night and decisions made over honoring their parents and the message I preached the entire week. Praise God for that. A needful message in our world today. But I shared a story with them. I was talking about being thankful for your parents and what they've gone through and what they do for you. And I shared the story of something I did 20 eight years ago just about this time 28 years ago I drove to a place a little park a little park that several years later my wife and I would go and take our dog cinnamon to run around back when I owned my first Ford Festiva and I went to that park by myself and I took a little black and white notebook And I, I thought about, while I was there, I thought about all the things that my in-laws, soon to be, had done in rearing the woman that was going to be my wife. And the best I could as a 21-year-old kid, I wrote out a draft of a letter that I would put on another paper later and I sent to my soon-to-be mother and father-in-law. Thanking them for their investment and all that had gone into rearing my fiance soon to be my wife. I wanted them to know the appreciation that I had for them. I wanted to but I had to put it down, I had to pen it. Paul not only spoke, but let her see by the letters he wrote. Now we have the letters Paul wrote to the churches that were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God as God gave him words to pen. But I have a feeling there were many other letters Paul wrote. That Paul wrote. Not that were God's word, that Paul was the penman. But Paul wrote out of a heart of love and compassion. Paul wrote uh, at least 13, maybe 14. I wouldn't argue with you exactly how many 13 or 14 letters we know that he wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. At least 13 that are in our New Testament? When's the last time you wrote a note to someone? Now, I know that we rarely take a pen and put to paper anymore. But when's the last time you sent a text to someone and said, hey, praying for you? When's the last time you connected with someone and tried to give the gospel to them and, and you followed it up and said, hey, I enjoy getting a chance to talk with you today. If you ever have any questions, I'd love to chat with you. Maybe we could have coffee next week. Maybe we could talk about, if you have any questions, about the gospel. I believe Paul lived his life that way. I believe that a, a successful soul winner, we have to on purpose do that. God gives us connections. So often we, we get the connection and then we walk away from it. Don't lose those connections. Use every tool, every availability to try to get the gospel. Let's close with Galatians 6. Let's turn there very quickly. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. Paul's pen. Paul's pen was available to the Lord. Galatians 6.11 Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. Now the large letter could mean that it was long in words. Most likely it means that the letters were very tall because I think Paul's vision was failing badly. But that's not the important part I want you to think about. Paul said with mine own pen. He said, I want you to know this message. I'm the one penning it. I I didn't ask Luke, the beloved physician, to write it for me. He could have done that. He wanted the church at Galatia to know that it came from him. He wanted to accompany his prayer with a letter of encouragement. Christian, I believe God wants us to be soul winners. I believe God wants us to have a burden for people to come to Christ. By the way, it was natural for Paul to want the Israelites to come to Christ. He was an Israelite. There's a reason that I I was going to call Brother Ahmad and tell him that, man, there's a Persian family that wants to get saved because Brother Ahmad's a Persian. Man, I thought, man, if anybody's going to be excited about a Persian family, say, man, I want to convert to Christianity. But of anybody I know, Brother Ahmad's going to be the most excited. I mean, we're all excited. Praise God for that. But Brother Mott says, yeah, that's my countrymen. Who is it that we're concerned about getting the gospel? May we have a burden as Paul did. We see a soul winner's prayer here in Romans for Israel. For Israel's salvation. May we pray. May we have a burden for the lost to come to Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, help us tonight to get a burden for the lost to come to Christ. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we'd understand the condition of men without Christ. And, Lord, I pray that we'd have a great desire, a burning longing for those to come to you. Lord, if that's the case, we're going to pray. But, Lord, help us not to pray and get up off our knees and believe that that's all we should do. God, help us to live a life that matches that prayer. God, help us to speak your word to the lost. Use us. Lord, your only prayer request you ever ask of us was to pray for laborers for the harvest. Lord, I believe one of the reasons you ask us to pray is so we understand our responsibility in the harvest. The need for us to be involved in the harvest. Lord, I pray that we would care enough to, to speak and, Lord, to use every means necessary to convey your message, your truth, your love. Lord, give us a burden. Give us a burden for someone specific tonight. Lord, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Somebody we know is lost. And we don't want them to cross that bridge into hell. We don't want them to face eternal damnation. We want them to turn away, to come to Christ. Lord, give us that burden. Lord, would you work in our hearts? Help us as we come to this time of invitation. God, help us to make decisions that you place in our heart. May your will be done. In your precious name we pray. heads